thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hello, people. Hey, welcome to tonight's show. I think my head's getting cut off here. <laughs> there we go. That was kind of cool the way he did that, huh? So we're going to open this song up with Matthew West. This is his song, Grace Upon Grace. I hope you enjoy it as we let the platforms roll out. Please share it out, okay? Thank you. Of grace upon grace, endless be washing my sins away. I know the only reason I can stand here free of all my shame is wave upon wave of grace upon grace upon grace. Isn't this great? How can you see me at my worst and still say I am loved? What promise can I stand on when I don't feel good enough? When the enemy's reminding me of all that I've done wrong, what freedom do I have to sing this new creation song? Amen. That was nice. That was the first time I heard that. That's why I wasn't singing, because I didn't hear that song before. I was going to play a different song, and anyway, time ran out. So I was like, okay, Grace Upon Grace is good. <laughs> Nailed it! Uh, yeah, anyway. 
I want to welcome you guys to the show. Glad you're here. If you're listening to our podcast archive, glad you're listening. I know there's a whole bunch of you that do that. So thank you for that. Don't forget to let me know. By the way, you guys can like send me email through my website, you know, BibleNewsRadio.com. Heard of it? Yeah. BibleNewsRadio.com. You can go there and email us through the website. If you know me on social media, you can also message me on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok. Where else? That's pretty much it, I think. Yeah, actually, I'm on a couple other places too, but it's not important. I'm, I'm, I'm actually on a new platform that I'm not going to tell you about because I'm testing it out. I'm actually a beta user, and it's it's kind of fun, actually, but I'm not going to tell you about it until I like it for sure. Then I'll tell you about it later. You can follow us over there if you if you like. Um, don't forget to join my text message list. That is the best place and really, frankly, the most active place I share anything with my, with my, with all you guys, that is like, you know, cause you get a text message to your phone. You text Bible news to three, three, two, two, two. And I think it's scrolling through down there on the ticker somewhere. Um, anyway, so, um, so yeah, do that during the show. If you, if you're somebody that happens to have a hard time with technology because I know I know some of you are older and you don't have like the ability you don't understand sometimes technology and stuff but if you want to be on our text message list that's the best place to do it so you gotta go to your phone in your text message and and type in 33222 to the number that you text to right and then in the message part you put bible news as one word together and then you hit enter and then that will get you on my text message list of course if you don't know how to do that then just send me your phone number and i'll add it for you <laughs> which i've had to do for a couple of you and that's okay i don't mind um you know technology can be difficult and um i understand uh, 150 it's not older it's better lol okay well there you go so um, so I say hi to Barb and Forrest and George and Mia and God rules forever and whoever else is on there. Okay. Um, let's see. Here's an announcement, people. Interview with the Antichrist coming up Saturday this week at the very end of the week. We're going to talk to me. We're going to talk to my friend, Jeff Kinley. Yeah, we are about his book, Interview with the Antichrist. And by the end of the week, I'm hoping to have this book fully read because this looks like a good book, right? And I should have had it read by now, but I've been super busy writing another book, dealing with other stuff like hospice and stuff like that. Anyway, interview with the Antichrist, his hour has come. Yeah, we're going to talk about that Saturday. So make, you know, make plans now, put it on your calendar, open up your Palm Pilot if you have one of those. You know, I'm just kidding because I don't think those exist anymore. But <laughs> open up somewhere, put in 8 p.m. Central Time to be here. Then you'll you'll be here live with Jeff. He'll, he'll be able to answer your questions and it'll be awesome. All right. What else do I got to tell you? Oh, yeah. Don't forget. Also, 
to put on your calendar 8 p.m. Central Time Friday night for our show Friday night and also Sunday. Just just block out 8 p.m. Central, people. That's all you got to do. Just put it there. Just block it out on your calendar right now. Of course, those of you who are already here, you already have done that because you're super awesome. Yeah, you are. So anyway, thank you for that. Um, I want to share with you a story that we didn't get to share this week. Um, well, the last two days. Uh, and that that's honestly one of the things I miss the most about not doing a daily show is that there's so much news I don't get to share. Um, and it's sad because there's really a lot going on. So I just want to share one story with you and then I'm going to let Randall Pandal Bearface, which is not his real name. It's most of kind of his real name. I'm going to let him jump in and, and he's going to talk about mockers and scoffers. Or are you going to jump in now and say something? I wasn't going to jump in now and say anything. I'm saying something and I'm not going to jump in. But but yeah, later. <laughs> I'll talk about mockers and scoffers. I was just thinking last night, you know, if I had a crack staff, yeah, 8 p.m. Central Time, yes, that's right. So if I had a crack staff, every show I would have somebody to, like, take edit clips of it. And I would, like, go ahead and have them do this. Yesterday was Leap Day. Turn them into GIFs or something. Well, like, yesterday's <laughs> highlight was Leap Day. It was when we leapt together. You know? Yeah. That was such a great part of the show. Glad <laughs> that you enjoyed it. <laughs> you know... Randall's so handsome. Yeah, he is. Uh, Good save. I love him. He's super cute, people. Yeah, he is. Okay, anyway. Okay, here is the story that I didn't get to talk about yesterday. Um, it is titled, Thanks to Trump, Pascal Lamb Could Be Sacrificed on Temple Mount for the First Time in 2,000 Years. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, I'm not sure what website it's on because I forgot. But, uh, but. Wasn't it uh, Israel, Israel today? Is, yeah, Israel 365. Oh. Okay, so Israel 365. Um, this is a long article, but I'm going to read part of it. It says here, as per Trump's deal of the century, the Sanhedrin petitioned the Israeli government filing to receive permits that would allow priests to perform the ritual of Pesach. There you go. Pesach, people. It means Passover in English, except it means it in Hebrew. It's Hebrew, but in English it means Passover. It's just easier to say Passover, people. By the way, tonight I was teaching Awana, and the little kids were there, and I said, hello, people. And they're like, we are not people. I said, yeah, you are. You're little people. And they're like, no, we're not. We're big people. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> I had five of them come up to me after, well, before, right? So anyway, long story short, I'm only 5'4". I'm short, right? So if you go like this, like, and I'm standing up and I spread my arms out, you know, like I'm going to fly. These children came up and they literally were underneath my arm that's how short they are okay so i was like okay well you, maybe you're not short people but you are people people <laughs> that's so funny anyway back to the story so um 
As per Trump's deal of the century, the Sanhedrin petitioned the Israeli government filing to receive permits that would allow priests to perform the ritual of the Passover sacrifice temporary altar that will be transported to the Temple Mount and removed immediately after the ceremony. If the government grants the permits as it should, based on Israeli and international law, this will be the first time since the destruction of the Second Temple that an altar has stood in its proper place on Judaism's holiest site, the threshing floor, purchased by King David. For the past eight years, Sanhedrin has been conducting reenactments of the temple service as a means of preparing for the actual reinstating uh, of the service. These reenactments are held before each of the biblically mandated feasts by Kohanim, Kohanim, priests, priests, Jewish men descended for Aaron, the high priest, okay, dressed in the proper temple garb. The reenactment of the Pesach offering has special significance as the commandment has great import. There are only two mitzvahs, it's biblical commandments. Mitzvot. 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 You know, I'm Jewish people and I can't even speak Hebrew, but whatever. Okay. Mitzvah is singular for commandment. Mitzvot is plural. It's a feminine plural. (sighs) Thank you, commentator bareface. Okay. For which noncompliance receives the most severe punishment mandated by the Torah, being cut off from the community or excommunicated. Brit Mila, a.k.a. circumcision, and the Korban Peshach, a.k.a. Passover sacrifice. Despite various issues of Jewish law, such as ritual impurity and lack of a high priest, Jews are still required and technically able to bring the sacrifice. Rabbi Hillel Weiss, the spokesman for the Sanhedrin, told Breaking New Israel News, The only thing preventing the Jewish people from performing the Passover sacrifice is the Israeli government. By the way, I have to say, I'm just going to say this. It probably was well over a year ago, maybe even two years now, that when I had on the people over at Israel 365, and I was talking to the Jewish guy that was on my show, and they're not Messiah. They're not Messianic believers there that work at Israel 365. There are Gentile Christians that work with them, but the gentleman that I had on our show, uh, he was saying, hey, everything is already, you know, to, for the temple to be, you know, to have the worship in the temple, all the sacrifices, it's all ready. The thing holding it back is the Israeli government does not want to allow it yet. And they literally said this, and Randall can confirm this, they literally said the minute the Israeli government says, yes, you can offer sacrifices and do all those rituals there in the temple, literally within 20 minutes, they can do it. They're yeah, ready. Of course, theologically, at least coming from a messianic point of view, there's a problem with all this and that there's there's no reason for these sacrifices. Right. Yeah. Um, so poor little animals are going to be murdered for no reason at all. Yes, as Yeshua said in the past Pesach Seder that he officiated, he said, what? This is my body broken for you. This cup is the new covenant. Speaking of the cup after supper, the cup of redemption. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant of Jeremiah 31, of course. And uh, initiated uh, with his blood. And so, anyway. It's good for these folks to read the uh, epistle to the Hebrews. Anyway. Well, anyway. Go on. 
continue on with this very lengthy column. It says here, the Sanhedrin recently performed an intense study concerning the current status of the Passover offering and concluded that at this juncture, one sacrifice made at the Temple Mount brought in the name of the entire Jewish people would suffice. The Sanhedrin held a special meeting on Wednesday to discuss the Pesach offering reenactment as well as contingency plans should the government permit the actual ritual be performed on the Temple Mount at the proper time. By the way, this raises another question, people. And the question is this. Have you noticed that they haven't been doing this for a very long time? Why do you suppose that is? Hmm? That's just a question. Just, you know, we'll throw it Nearly two millennium. Yeah. Huh. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Anyway, goes on to say, as they do every year, the Sanhedrin submitted requests for permits to perform the reenactment to be held on the Temple Mount three days before the holiday. They also submitted a separate request for the actual sacrifice to be held on the Temple Mount on the holiday. Included in this request is the plan to bring a stone altar to the Temple Mount. The Passover sacrifice can only be offered in one place on the Temple Mount. The sacrifice does not require an actual temple structure, but it does require an altar that is built to adhere to the biblical requirements. Such an altar was constructed last year and stands ready. The square altar is nine feet square, five feet high, and is constructed of aerated concrete. The material was ruled to be fit for use in the temple. In the Talmud, it is explained that steel may not be used to cut the stones of the altar since the temple service brings life into the world and steel as it is used in war takes life. Stones for the altar may not be cut using steel since the temple service brings life into the world and the and into the world and steel, though not ideal, is light and easily transported and seized to be loaded into a truck, sized rather to be loaded onto a truck. The altar was constructed on a metal frame designed also for purposes of transportability. The intent was to create an altar that could be taken to the Temple Mount at a moment's notice should the need arise. Should the request to bring the sacrifice be granted, this would mark the first time an altar has stood on the Temple Mount in its proper place since the Second Temple was destroyed in 70 CE. I think it's supposed to really not be CE, but whatever. AD 70. Yeah. Excuse me. The Sanhedrin emphasized that the plan to bring the altar to the Temple Mount was entirely consistent with President Trump's recently released Deal of the Century, which recognized Israel's full sovereignty over the site. People of every faith should be permitted to pray on the Temple Mount in a manner that is fully respectful to their religion, taking into account the times of each religion's prayers and holidays, as well as other religious factors, the text of the deal reads. Just like King Cyrus, this declaration by Donald Trump opens the door for the Jews to build the temple. It is now up to us to take the next step forward. This is a watershed point in history. Once we bring the altar to the Temple Mount, even for the sacrifice of one lamb, there is no turning back. The prophesied next step is inevitable. This may have sounded drastic not so long ago, but today, when faced with a coronavirus, climate change, and rogue nations, people of faith are certainly praying for the temple service to begin immediately, says Rabbi Mir Halib somebody. We'll just leave it there because of the name. I can't. Yeah. Anyway, according to the Midrash, or how do you, did I say that right? Yes. I said it right? Wow. 
a homiletic teaching that exodus from Egypt was for the sake of the entire world. Rabbi Yoel, I'll just say his first name, the head of the Noahide court said, God told the children of Israel, it is not for your sake that I'm taking you out of Egypt. It is only so that you can tell of the exodus and teach my Torah to all nations. Rabbi Schwartz cited another Midrash, which explained the three times oaths are mentioned in the Song of Songs. According to the Midrash, the first oath refers to the first temple, which Solomon built. Rabbi Schwartz explained the second oath is the second temple that was built on Cyrus's merit. The third oath is the third temple whose construction will be initiated by the nations after which the Jews will join in. If the Jerusalem municipality does not grant permission to bring the altar to the Temple Mount, an an additional request was filed to bring the altar to Jerusalem for the reenactment. Excuse me, my allergy throat here. Yeah, anyway. Plurality in the form of 70 nations is a biblical requirement for the temple to be a house of prayer for all nations, Rabbi Weiss said. Now, that's who I had on my show, actually. Western liberal values and international law demand the equality of religions. We are proposing bringing a temporary altar for one day to sacrifice one lamb for the entire Jewish nation. Hmm. That sound familiar, people? The the Sumerians sacrifice hundreds of lambs every year. Any objections to this can only be based in racism and hatred. We have been preparing faithfully, performing whatever we can to bring, perform, we can, okay, wait, whatever we can to bring, perform God's will. Poorly edited. Obviously. Obviously. Anyway, Rabbi Weiss said, now it is in God's hands to take it to its prophetic conclusion the Pesach sacrifice on the Temple Mount. All of the inhabitants of the world need to place God's will as it is expressed in the Bible foremost in their consciousness. Every year more than more people attend and the ceremony itself develops in complexity. Becoming more like the actual ceremony in the Temple, the Sanhedrin also made a ruling regarding the participation of non-Jews in the ceremony and its funding. Non-Jews are expressly forbidden by the Torah from partaking of the sacrifice. They are also not permitted to participate in funding communal sacrifices. The Sanhedrin noted that non-Jews did observe the Pesach sacrifice as it was brought in the temple in such areas should be set aside for this purpose at the reenactment. Non-Jews would be permitted to donate money towards the reenactment and fund necessary elements surrounding the reinstatement of the temple service, but no funds from non-Jews would be permitted to be used for sanctified purposes. Just so you know. The temples were and will always be for the good of the entire world and the nations are intended to help us towards this end. Rabbi Mir that guy said this is especially true today when we are forced or faced with global threats that affect every individual and every nation and indeed there are many nations and individuals including muslims and arabs that understand this and are willing to take their place in this effort now at this point in time it is essential that the nations make their desire known for the return of the temple service a head start project to fund the Pesach reenactment will be launched in the near future. Last year's ceremony was supposed to take place at the Davidson Center and Archaeological Park at the foot of the stairs where individuals walked up to bring their sacrifices to the temple. 
All of the permits were acquired, but at the last moment, the police officer overseeing security demanded that the original copy of the permit for slaughtering the lamb be produced in place of a fax copy. It was later revealed that the police wanted the venue changed in order to prevent a violent Palestinian reaction to the Jewish ritual. The police ordered the Sanhedrin to change the venue. I bet you that didn't make much news, did it? Such important Jewish rituals are often repressed by Israeli security forces, and every year several Jews are arrested while attempting to bring a lamb to the Temple Mount. The reenactment was accompanied by blasts from silver horns. A band played songs based on the Hillel service, a prayer service composed of verses from the Psalms that was sung in the Temple while the Passover sacrifice was being prepared. The lamb must be checked for blemishes before being slaughtered. As in the temple, the priests arranged themselves in a line stretching from the courtyard in which the lamb was slaughtered, stretching all the way to the altar. The blood from the lamb was collected in a vessel and then passed from one priest to another, hand over hand, until it arrived at the altar upon which it was poured. The animal was skinned and the inner parts were separated. The goat was prepared, roasted whole on a long pomegranate branch in the manner described in the Torah and served to the Jews gathered to witness the reenactment. When the temple stood, all of the Jewish people came to Jerusalem and organized into groups to celebrate the Passover Seder. Each group sent a representative to the temple to bring a lamb that would be ritually prepared by the priests and its blood sprinkled on the altar. The lamb would then be taken home to be cooked and eaten. So this is cool to me. I mean, I don't like the I don't like the sacrificing of any animal. But if you understand that Jesus was that lamb, the perfect lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, then this is so cool because we are like in Bible prophecy people. We are in the end of the end of days. It is super cool. To know that we are living so close to the rapture and the end of the world as we know it. That's why Saturday, interview with the Antichrist, Jeff Kinley, my guest. He's going to be my guest. You're going to want to be here and listen to it. And Bareface, now we'll just, well, we should thank our sponsor. but should. We'll do that right now. Ariel Ministries, speaking of Messianic Jewish Ministries, this is our... Sponsor this month is our last month, having the blessing of having Ariel sponsor us. So, uh, you guys, please take advantage of the discount that Ariel's giving you. 20% off, you guys, when you use that coupon code Bible News anytime. Go to ariel.org. Uh, you can save lots of money over there with 20%. Um, and you can learn a lot about your faith if you purchase their Bible studies, their books, DVDs, series. There's a whole bunch of stuff over there. Um, and I guarantee that if you just go through the highlights of the life of Christ from a Messianic Jewish perspective, what I can tell you is it will change your walk with the Lord like it did mine 25 years ago, at least. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. Anyway, so go there. Also, if you want to donate to our show, we welcome that donation. <laughs> your love gift, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you can donate over at BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give to your little heart's content. Actually, it's just give, but you can give however much you want uh, over there. We appreciate it. We appreciate the support. Uh, those of you already who are our pillars of the community, they hold us up. You guys rock. Thank you for being committed to donating something to us every month. Uh, I appreciate it more than you know. 
Also, if you want to become a uh, member of Legal Shield or get your identity theft protection through uh, through me so that it benefits our show because it supports us here at Bible News Radio, then you're more than welcome to get in touch with me again through my website, BibleNewsRadio.com. Put in, hey, Legal Shield, ID Shield, I need to be protected, people. Um, and I will get you info and we'll get you all set up. Um, so I want to say thank you for, again, sharing with us your valuable evening, your time, uh, and all that. And Randall, what are you going to talk about now? Well, I don't usually do a topical study. I like to go, you know, book, you know, book by book, mm-hmm. chapter by chapter, verse by verse kind of thing. You ever notice but, how flexible our faces are? Mm-hmm. But um, this evening, um, because <laughs> sorry, I was just laid on my heart. Um, just being, being a goofball here. Serendipitously, or maybe by divine design, um, you know, our pastor this morning, he's been going through Hebrews in the morning, and it was Hebrews 9, and uh, using uh, verse 27 in chapter 9 is sort of the springboard, which talks about, which says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and then comes the judgment. Talked about judgment and looked at several uh, verses relating to judgment how Messiah will be the judge, um, you know, the, the, you know, the great white throne judgment, um, that, you know, judgment day is officiated by the judge of all the earth, uh, who is the Messiah. And, and then anyway, this evening, uh, he's been going through the book of Revelation in the evening, Sunday evening. Two heavy books. Hebrews and Revelation are not easy books to teach, and now, he's doing both of them. And it just happened that just left off, you know, starting, you know, tonight was chapter 11, verse 15, which talks about, is kind of a overview, a snapshot of the end of the age, where, you know, it says that um, the kingdom, and it's singular in the original language, a lot of English translations say kingdoms, plural, but it's singular. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our, uh, of of God, even, even, um, even the Christ, and and then the twenty four elders celebrate that, and then it talks about how the the small and great of the saints are rewarded, um, but the you know others are are judged. Or, or condemned, and so, you know, judgment came up again. I said that, you know, I'm not going to preach the same sermon as I did this morning, but, you know, but, you know, there we have it. Um, that it comes to, come really comes down to what you do with Messiah, what you do with the Christ. Amen, with the shoe, with Jesus, that what, what side you're on, whether it's rewarded or judged. I mean, you can go back to... Uh, Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 9. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, resurrection of the just and resurrection of the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous, is, is, not, is not a Christian thing. It's throughout the scripture. Um, anyway, so with all of that in mind, uh, one thing he brought up that I thought was astute, to recognize 
that, uh, you know, the naysayers throughout all centuries, those who judged Jesus, who judged Yeshua, will in the end be judged by him. And those who judged the word of God uh, will in the end be judged by his word. So, and I thought about those. <laughs> those Sorry, don't mean to yawn. You're not that, boring me or nothing. It's okay. just that, you know. And I thought about bit, those. A tired here. I thought about those who, through the ages, had judged the Lord and judged his word. You know, I've kind of fallen into two categories, mockers and scoffers. And so I wanted to just look at those biblically real quickly. And I'm going to look at um, several scriptures. And I'll, I'll bring them up on the screen as well. All right. Well, with that said... I'm going to jump off the screen. Okay. I'm going to leap off. <laughs> but you can, like, enjoy Bearface's handsome, hunky face. He's so cute. I swear he is. Um, <laughs> okay. I already have a frame, but I figured I had one of my own. I never got this. I don't know. I don't get that. Well, um, Whatever. I know Jamie um, Grace was, like, the first person that did this. That's, uh, Whatever. I don't know. Okay. All right, here am I, Cello. All right, since we're about to look into the Word of God, I think it's good to approach it with reverence and prayerfully. The Bible is the only book that comes with its author, so why not support it? Uh, approach the author um, to get his understanding. So join me, will you? Father God, you are an awesome God, worthy of every honor, glory, blessing. Uh, you are you are the one and true, the living God, uh, who spoke the cosmos into being uh, with your word. And we have been blessed by your spoken word, by your living word, and also by your written word. As we look into your written word, I pray that you would give us spirits that are sensitive to your spirit, that we might receive all that you have for us. We offer this time to you, to use as you will for our good, your glory. We ask it in the name of the living word, Yeshua, our Messiah. Okay, I'm going to take off the scripture references just because I can't type real fast and I didn't want to queue up a bunch of scenes that had the references on there, but I will talk about them as we go. I will mention uh, where we're looking at. I'm going to pop over to um, YouTube, say hi to Barb and Forrest and George, uh, what's going on in Twitch land there. Um... Where's where the, oh they put up there the viewers up there, all right. But nobody say anything. But welcome, and over there on Mixer, uh, quiet as well in the chat room, and not much going on in Facebook. And I can't see the Periscope uh, chat room. So yep, Periscope. It's only Mia and one other person. Okay. Um, and I don't know if I don't know because it's uh, you know. Yeah. We're hidden everywhere, so if All you're right. here, it's this message is for you, people. All right. Let's check this out. So, let's start with mockers. You, know, you probably heard of a mock apple pie or a mockingbird. 
Uh, why is a mockingbird called a mockingbird? Uh, because it mocks the the songs of other birds. Uh, does it, you know, duplicate them? No, it's it's like an inferior copy. And such is, you know, there's a mock trial. We can mock up something, um, you know, a mock up a you know model of something we plan to make. It's 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 a substitute, and it's typically an inferior substitute. It's not meant to deceive, but it's uh, when it's done with um, malice, let's say. The idea is to belittle the actual thing. So let's look at some examples of mockers in Scripture. Um, first of all, looking at Luke 23. Uh, when Jesus, Yeshua, faced Herod, and that would be Herod Antipas, the grandson of Herod the Great. Anyway, picking up in, um, well, verse, verse 7. As soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he, that would be Pilate, sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him. There we go. Mocked him. It's contempt. It's not like a mocked up project like this will do for now. It's with contempt. It is that malice of mocking, that type of mocked him. And they mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. Well, how is putting him in a gorgeous robe mocking him? Well, we get a little more um, a view of that in uh, Luke's Gospel. And if I could... Well, we did. We just looked at Luke's Gospel. Um, Matthew's Gospel. Did I close that? Here it is. Very good. Alright. Similar set. Before it was Herod's Men of War. Um, soldiers. And now we have the Roman soldiers here. In Matthew chapter 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him and put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. So, hail King of the Jews. They knew he was being called King of the Jews. And so it's like, well, let's mock this. Um, you know, we'll put a scarlet robe on him, you know, like a royal robe. We'll put a crown on him, but it'll be a crown of thorns. Um, you know, instead of a scepter in his hand, we'll give him a reed in his right hand. And we'll bow the knee before him like he's royalty. But but they're mocking him. They're not actually hailing him as king of the Jews. Um, 
Or maybe this is what they're saying they think of the Jews. Well, you know how they honored him? They spat on him, took the reed and struck him on the head. So they don't really see him as royalty, but they're mocking him. They're, they're um, uh, taking his, his royalty as king of the Jews and, and creating a, an inferior uh, imitation of that. Um, and, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, motivated uh, with malice. It's, so when I think of mockers, this is the kind of thing when we talk about mockers in Scripture. It's this, um, it's this scornful type of imitation. It's, it's belittling something of the Lord. It's, it's um, belittling and denigrating something. You know, and often people that makes them feel better about themselves if they take what it is and, and, and make a mockery of it. They make an inferior um, derision of it. Then they perhaps can justify to themselves why they don't take it as it is uh, when they build up uh, this um, this inferior imitation. In in debate, there's something known as the straw man argument, and that's basically where you build up, you're saying that this is what the other party says, but it's not. Uh, something that looks like what they're saying, and then it's easy to dismantle because it's a straw man. And so you know, that tactic is known as the straw man argument, because you're not really arguing against the real point, you're arguing about something that resembles the opposing point. And so it's a lot easier to tear it down that way. Um, it looks like that, but you build up a, a inferior version of it. And so is what people often do with the things of God. Rather than confront it or argue against, debate against it on its actual face value, what the Word of God claims or you know, what a testimony is, they will construct an inferior version of it, you know, that they can easily tear down. All right, you with me so far? Very good. All right. Uh, we see mockers in a more complex way in the book of Jude. Um, let's pick it up in verse 4. Jude talks about, for certain men have crept in and noticed. Crept in where? Well, crept into uh, the fellowship of the saints. Uh, he says, who were long ago, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men, what do they do? They turn the grace of God into, grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's this hyper-grace movement. They take what grace is, you know, unmerited favor, um, the freedom that one has in Christ because of forgiveness, and they turn the grace of God into lewdness rather than just, um, rather than, you know, just unmerited favor, not deserving God's favor, is turned into licentiousness, you know, turned into license to do all sorts of things. Uh, you know, Paul writes, you know, uh, because, you know, 
uh, sin abounded, grace abounded more. And he said, shall we sin, you know, that grace may abound? And he said, God forbid, for how shall we die to sin living longer and therein? Grace isn't an excuse. It's not a license to do whatever you feel like. Um, grace is, um, is, is the other side of mercy, not getting what we do deserve, but getting this unmerited favor from God that we can, we can now not only be unpunished, uh, but walk in favor with God, be in good standing. And it's, again, it's by his grace that we're in good standing. It's not a license to, um, dive further into sin. And we see more of this, you know, not only the turning the grace of God into lewdness, that sort of mockery, um, um, yeah, well, I'll give you the context, we'll go ahead with verse 5. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, speaking, going, you know, uh, alluding to Genesis chapter 6, um, he has reserved an everlasting change under darkness for judgment of the great day. As Sodom, Gomorrah, and these cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Uh, these are other examples of people who turn the grace of God into lewdness. Or, you know, in the case of, you know, those that were delivered out of Egypt, um, and, and in several existence, in several circumstances, um, I'm thinking even all the way up to where they came to the border of the Promised Land that we read about, in um in numbers and and then um you know the spies were sent in to check out the land ten brought a bad report two brought a good report anyway they said uh you know the lord's not with us we're we're not going in let's let's you know pick a new leader and go on back to egypt and <laughs> you know it's like the same land for 400 years you know they cried about being released out of Egypt, and now, because they don't believe the Lord can take in the promised land, they're willing to pick a new captain and go back to Egypt. And and then the Lord tells them, no, well, fine, then you're not going to go into the promised land. You don't want to go? You can't go. And then they say, well, yeah, we will go. We changed our minds. You know, it's just, just contrary uh, to what, um, you know, God's provision, they were just, um, a particular generation was always contradicting it. Um, God's grace, they turned into whatever felt right at the time. And, and the same, you know, with these, these angels, these fallen angels, you know, the, the Benael Him who went into the daughters of men, et cetera, you know, for them reserved, they had, they lived in the heavenly domains, you know, they did not keep their proper domain, they, gosh, if anybody had, had the support to remain faithful to the true and the living God, the creator of all the universe, it's the angels who have that perspective, who live in the heavenlies, 
But no, they did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. And that's what happened to them. Sodom and Gomorrah, same kind of thing. We could talk about that and how uh, God's grace was turned into lewdness, just like these ungodly men who turned the grace of God into lewdness. They're mockers. And in one other way, verse 8, so with that little background, that biblical history, said, likewise also these dreamers, this would be the ungodly men we talked about, defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil, evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring it against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these, these ungodly men, speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. So when it comes to, um, you know, the, the, the um, the spiritual realms, you know, they, they speak evil, whatever they do not know, they don't understand. Uh, you know, he says, Mike, even Michael, Mikael, the, the archangel, when contending with the devil, you know, didn't bring a right railing act or violent accusation. He said, the Lord rebuke you. He's like, I'm not, but we've got these folks in Christendom saying, we're going to stomp the devil underneath our feet. And but it's, it's like, they're making, um, on the other side, it's not just things of God, it's the heavenly things, the the powerful things of the heavenlies. Satan himself, they're making into this um, thing that they can, you know, uh, control. And this, this, uh, this inferior imitation of the real thing. Alright. So, that's, that's mockers. Let's talk about scoffers. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 24 A proud and haughty man scoffer is his name he acts with arrogant pride so rather than it's kind of like kind of like a, another side of the same coin whereas the mocker will construct this inferior imitation to say well that's why I reject that or that's I don't do that cuz that's stupid you know, hail king of the Jews. Um, you know, they they deal with their guilty conscience by attacking the straw man, you know, the inferior imitation. And, and that, uh, you know, they try to use that to alleviate their conscience. They're, they're mockers. Um, the scoffer on the hand, instead of... Um, alleviating their conscience by building this inferior imitation and attacking it, the, the proud and haughty man, Scoffer is his name, he acts with arrogant pride. He just lifts himself above that. Rather than building the inferior imitation, the Scoffer just says, I'm too good for that. And it may look at it at face value for what it is, but just exalts themselves. Well, uh, you know, I'm I'm just... You know, I'm just better than that. I'm, I'm, I'm wiser than you, stupid people. So there's um some comments coming in on YouTube. Okay. Have you seen them? I have not yet. So Tyler Klein says, "Are you on drugs? What drugs do you take? Definitely on drugs. You're not even making coherent points." 
You're just spouting hmm. scripture and stringing along poorly worded sentences. Are you going to tell us about the drugs you take? What are you even talking <laughs> about? I'd say no. Um, you are a scoffer, right? I take no drugs, no. Bareface. He I'm actually doesn't take any drugs. I take allergy medicine. That's about mm. it. And then George says, are there female angels? If there are no female angels, then why would there be male an angels? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I talked mean, to Roma Downey. She was a girl. Just okay, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Yeah, I don't know if they're, you know, like male and female as in, you know, reproductive sort of ways. Um, you know, um, humanity, of course, is male and female, which God made in his own image. Uh, male and female created he them. Uh, so there's something about God that's both male and female. Ooh, he's talking bisexual, trisexual. No, no, they're... We see the, you know, God is seen as Father. Yet we see Yeshua, Jesus, saying things like, How often I would have gathered you as a hen gathered your chicks under her wings. That there, there's a, there, there are motherly types of, of attributes to God. There are fatherly type attributes. Um, the masculine is dominant. Like it kind of, we see that in, in biology, not just in humans, but, you know, in the animal kingdom. And so, you know, he's predominantly he, if we say he. Um, but, you know, the creation of male and female is the expression of who he is, only as separate people. But then, boy, we could get into a lot there with um, with the bridegroom and his bride and the church as his bride and just how that picture of male and female and eventually being... You want to a... take me off the screen? Okay. Well, you were reading the... Yeah, we were talking, so... <laughs> um. So, yeah. The the angels are given male, you know, names. They're talking about him. You know, Gabriel and Michael and um, these angels. But I don't think they're male and they'd like to have male genitalia or anything. It's just that masculine sort of um, essence, if you will. Now, when we read in Genesis chapter 6 about the uh, B'nai Elohim uh, coming, you know, the the sons of God coming to the daughters of men, I don't, you know, I don't pretend to know how that happens. You know, they're spiritual beings. Um, how did they take on, did they take on, well, we do see, you know, some of entertain angels unawares, Hebrews chapter 13. And uh, in Genesis, we see the Lord and two angels, the two angels when to Sodom appeared as uh, men. So, did they, you know, did, was it actual physical intercourse in that case, Genesis chapter 6, or was it some sort of, you know, artificial insemination? I don't know. So... If there are no female angels, which there don't appear to be, then why are there male angels? Again, it's not, I don't think it's, they're male in the sense of, you know, reproductively, but masculine in, in terms of um, essence, if you will, character, personality. Just like, um, you know, God is he, even though male and female, he created them in his, in his image. He is primarily he. I hope that made some sort of sense. I tried to. 
Anyway, let's get back to um, scoffers. So, Second Peter, chapter three. Here we go. Peter writes, "Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles." of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is this promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now notice here, they aren't saying, well, they aren't building an inferior imitation. They're just refuting it. They just say, hey, I disagree. I, this is this is you know this is ridiculous, and I don't buy it. Um, you know where is this promise of his coming? It's this this as we read in Proverbs chapter one. It's this the haughty, you know, arrogant, you know, scoffer as his name. I know better. Basically, where is this promise of coming? Yeah, things continue as they were. You people don't know nothing. The Bible doesn't know anything. I know better. But it says of this they willingly forget. You know, because they brought all the facts to bear. <laughs> that might be a little too challenging. But this, they, for this they willingly forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. And again, you go back to Genesis chapter 6 and 7, uh, that there it was a different world then. A uh, world, an earth that where it had never rained. There was waters above the firmament, above the atmosphere, waters underneath. Um, a mist went up and watered the ground, we read there, and uh, the early chapters of Genesis uh, was a very different place. Uh, but the world that then was, was destroyed. It, it, the world that then was, you know, uh, perished, uh, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, you know, just as if, not not if, but in the same way that you know, the world was created by the power of God and was preserved uh, by the word of God, you know, the word of God, by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and, you know, the, and the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And he says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What a contrast there. We have the scoffers saying, oh, you know, where's this promise? It's, you know, we know better. All things continue as they were since the beginning of the creation. Don't, you know, uh, you know, things go on and on. You know, evolution, whatever, things, there isn't, there, there aren't these ages. And, you know, you think there's going to be some end of the world, whatever. You know, things, the sun will die out eventually and, you know, things will morph and maybe we'll come into another ice age or whatever, you know, that 
you know, this, we just know better. We're not attacking it. You know, we're not building this inferior imitation. We're just saying, hey, we know better. We're scoffers. And, uh, but they willingly forget, you know, where they say things continue just as they were from the beginning of creation. No, they didn't. <laughs> the earth that then was perished by, by water, uh, by being flooded with water. And the earth, as it now stands, the heavens, the earth that we now have, on uh, the current state, they're reserved for uh, judgment by fire. All right, so mockers and scoffers. Hopefully, you got an idea of you know who mockers are, who scoffers are, and and I think in uh, summing up them both, the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, the Christ. Um, he did a good uh, summation of the mockers and scoffers in that day in uh, Luke chapter 7. Verse 31. And the Lord said, To what then shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, He has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by all her children. So during the Lord's earthly ministry, there were mockers and scoffers. You know, when John the Baptist came along announcing, you know, the forerunner to the kingdom, saying, you know, prepare ye the way of the Lord, um, he wasn't he wasn't eating bread and drinking wine. He was eating locusts and wild honey. And they like, oh, you have a demon. You know, we we were not going to accept what you, um, what you had to say because you're demonic. And so when the Son of Man comes, for whom John the Baptist was preparing the way, Messiah comes, and he's eating and drinking, the very thing they found fault in John the Baptist, who wasn't eating and drinking, who wasn't eating bread, nor drinking wine, they say he's got a demon. Messiah comes and he's eating bread and has drink wine, not getting drunk, mind you. And they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You know, what is it? I mean, the same thing they used to, um, you know, the criteria that they espoused as not accepting the preaching of John the Baptist, they turn around and say that, um, you know, when it's the opposite, John wasn't eating bread and drinking wine. Well, here's, okay, well, here's someone eating bread and drinking wine. Well, they reject him. Oh, huh? Yeah, someone's calling me. A glutton and a wine-bibber, you know, friend of tax collectors and sinners. So, you know, so we've got the, uh, again, the mockers and the scoffers. The mockers will say, you know, oh, John the Baptist is a demon. 
and the scoffers, well, we know better. You know, this guy's just a glutton and a wine bibber. But, you know, they're like children in the marketplace. They're children because they're not mature. And, and whatever they expect, whatever, you know, is, is, is their terms and their rules of engagement, they expect others to agree with them. And if you disagree, well, this is why you're wrong. Um, either they're going to mock or they're going to scoff. And so the abundance of mockers and scoffers today um, just tells me uh, that the truth and the power of, of God and the word of God and the things of God because we don't see too many people mocking and scoffing Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or too many people, you know, mocking and scoffing whether the M&Ms are real. I mean, we play, you know, we joke about it and things like that, but, you know, it's strictly things of fantasy. But when it comes to the Lord God and his Christ, um, people get really worked up about these things and spin off all sorts of uh, mockeries uh, both in the church and outside the church and all sorts of scoffing in um, and um, what's alternative histories and things like that that oh we know better and um, you know science is our god and um, <laughs> that hasn't been uh, very dependable or consistent. Um, anyway, so I'm hoping that none of you listening are either mockers nor scoffers. Uh, there's been no evidence of a great flood within the parameters of human existence. <laughs> well, Tyler, um, let's see. You know, if if there had been a cataclysmic flood, you know, you know what would we expect to see? Um you know, millions and millions of dead things buried in layers of rock all over the world. Uh, sea creatures, uh, you know, fossils of sea creatures found in mountains, things like that. Um, topsy-turvy world. You know, fossilization doesn't occur by just slow decay. I hope you know that. That, you know, naturally if you have a dead animal laying out, it's going to... As it decomposes, scavengers are going to take it. The wind is going to blow it. There's, you know, there can't be any whole pieces. You know, the, certainly not the the organism as a whole is not going to be there. Uh, just the ravages of weather and time are going to uh, displace the parts of that thing all over. Uh, for something to be fossilized, it has to be buried. Uh, quickly, so that the form of its its living form, or soon after it died, uh, has to be covered up with with mud or sediment, you know, to hold that shape while the thing itself decomposes uh, in that sediment. And what we find all over the earth in layers of rock all over the world, layers of sediment all over the world at various altitudes is these millions and millions of organisms. I mean, what, what, what are the odds of these things dying in, in mass, in mass graves, if you will, uh, mass burials 
all over the world, sea creatures again it, 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 on on the sides of mountains and things like that. Uh, the the erosion that we see, um, yeah, I think evidence points to definitely cataclysmic worldwide flood. <clears throat> there you go. Good yeah. job, Bearface. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me, my allergies are acting up as always. It's allergy season, people. Yeah, it is. All right, well, so I hope you guys have a good weekend. Don't forget, Saturday, interview with the Antichrist. His hour has come. Jeff Kinley. Um, super excited to have him back on the show. He's such a good guy. He's been making, <clears throat> he's been making the rounds. And... Um, I am very, very grateful for that. I'm very grateful to have such good friends in Christian media and the publishing world. So, Tyler, I saw your your comment, your question on yesterday's show. Is Stacy okay? She seems like she's suffering from some sort of de de developmental disability or maybe a severe mental illness. Well, I appreciate your question. And... Um, and I'm, the compassion. I'm doing good, actually. I'm doing better than I've been doing in a long time. You know, when you drop dead weight, thing goes. You know, things are great. So, um, I hope you keep tuning in. Thank you for boosting my rank, my rankings in YouTube. I really appreciate that. Um, and the rest of you guys, thank you for also subscribing and being there as well. I appreciate it. We will see you soon. Yeah, we will, whether you like it or not. You've been warned. Remember, be bold, people. Stand up and go with God. Because <laughs> he loves you. Talk to you later.